2: Well, hello and welcome to The Switzer Show, where we have one very simple goal, and that's to make you smarter and richer. And I guess we're delivering more. I said one goal, but there's two there, Paul, isn't there? Smarter and richer. I'm Peter Switzer, and I'm talking to Paul Rickard, my colleague. How are you, Paul?
3: Good afternoon, Peter. Yes, we have multiple goals, (laughs) uh, but I'll take smarter and richer. They're they're, They're pretty good. They're pretty good. Now, I want
2: to put you on the spot, mate. What is your favourite of all time money quote? Keeps motivating you to be really smart with money
3: and richer because we know how rich you well, are. Well, uh, these are very particular to markets, Peter. So I'm going to narrow it down. I think mm. you're going to you might have something a little more broader. Broader, but look, let me talk about mm. for those of you who are in the share market or in markets. And relevant today to property because we are going to be talking about property. The mm. uh, first one is the trend is your friend. Yep. Yeah, that's a in fact. You wrote about that today, Peter, because so often in, in markets we stocks. Sp- just go up, and yep. they have a few little down bits. But if you follow the trend, mm. you know you can see it now. Stock market going up. It's been going up now for six, seven, eight years post the GFC. Right. It's, it's yep. been the right to stay long. Mm. You know, because the trend is your friend. it will have Until a little have a few hiccups, but that's uh, mm. just don't lose sight of the big picture. So okay. that's that's one. All right. well, my, I've got two you f- should tell me yours first yeah, because yours got, are going to be take it to another level. Yeah, I can okay. feel that well, coming up. I've on. got two yeah.
2: favourites. One comes from the great Warren Buffett, of course, and I've always loved this one. Be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful because that means you've got to be a bit of a contrarian, don't you, for great buying opportunities.
3: Look, That's a fantastic quote, and it, it, it speaks to as much about the trend as it does that sometimes markets get things horribly wrong. Mm. Exactly. And uh, they get it wrong in both directions. They can really undervalue things, mm-hmm. and they can massively overvalue things. And that's why I all about the trend, because sometimes, you know, you think about this stock is fully valued. But if mm-hmm. the market's an uptrend, yep. stick with it. Exactly. But, yeah, you know, to your point, Peter, it, there are great opportunities, and uh, at both on the bottom side, that is to buy when no one else wants to touch anything. Yep. And the other extreme is, well, if everyone thinks it's such a fantastic idea and everyone's into it, Probably
2: time to say goodbye. the sidelines. So I've got a second one, mm-hmm. and this one comes from... In fact, I, I asked my wife, Maureen, to give me her favourite one. It comes from Mary Poppins. It's a great line.
3: That's a, I'm struggling to think of the immediate <laughs> con- investor well, we connection remember, here, but there, there's bound to be one. I right.
2: remember the, the father in, in um, Mary Poppins was Mr. Banks.
3: Oh, he was, of and course, And he yes. once he... said,
2: in his life, uh, in this life, one thing counts, money in the bank In large amounts.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. That's an
2: oldie, but a good one. I like that. And Sophie Tucker, the great comedian, once said, I've been rich, I've been poor. Rich is better, and that's that's what we're going to do here, is help people who are listening to this show get richer. And on today's show, Paul, I want to debunk the property price disaster headlines out there, and to do that, we have Century 21's founder, Charles Tarby, who will tell us what's going on at the coalface and auctions and whatever over the weekend, and then we have the princess of property, our own Margaret Lomas Of destiny financial, and I think we
3: could probably both relate that back to my comment about the trend because property prices, despite the little softness, you know, are still trending up. They Mm. they will trend up over time, and. As we see time and time again, everyone wants to talk about a crash or a disaster or yep. a collapse, and that's what sells, unfortunately, uh, eyeballs increasingly in the online world these yep. days. You look yep. up the ABC Finance Show, and all it does is just tell you about scared how scared the pants off you. Yeah. Scare the pants off you. You've got to put it to one side, folks out there, because these guys get it, and girls, I get it, get it so wrong so often. Exactly. So,
2: without any further ado, let's go to Charles Tarby, founder of Century Twenty One. <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, Charles Tarby, founder of Century 21.
0: Thank you very much, Peter.
2: Now, look, Charles, we've got you on the program because we keep seeing all these scary headlines. I want to read a few out for our listeners. Of course, our great mate Harry Dent said Australia's house prices to halve in coming global crisis. Uh, We'll talk about Harry in a moment. Property investor uh, says house prices to tumble in 2018. The ABC was more moderate, would you believe it? Sydney and Melbourne property prices predicted to fall by up to, wait for it, 4%. What's wrong with the ABC? I don't know. must be
3: one rogue writer at the ABC. They've got a new editor or something who doesn't understand how you actually get eyeballs.
0: Unbelievable. Hello, Paul. You're there
3: as well. Yes, I am, Charles, yes.
0: All right.
2: now, And to throw SQM in there, that's our good uh, good mate, Louis Christopher. Yes, yes, yes. Christopher, yes. He actually has said Sydney and Melbourne markets are overvalued by 45% by looking at nominal aggregate incomes compared to house prices. But he, he's mm. got Adelaide up 4% this year, Hobart up 18, 13, 8, 8 to 13%, Perth up 1.4%, Brisbane between 0 and 3%, Canberra 1% to 4%. But he does have Sydney and Melbourne prices falling by, as I say, around 4%. So he's quite moderate despite that. Now, Charles, you have seen his work and other people's work for a long time. Um, when you see this, the statement, Sydney and Melbourne markets are overvalued by 45%. How do you react to it as a professional in the market?
0: Yeah, I, I do think that uh, some of the marketplaces have become overvalued, but that's not unacceptable because if interest rates are low and people's salaries are high in the equity markets, they're going to buy what they want to buy and they're going to pay for it and sometimes they'll overinflate prices. I do think we went one year beyond the boom and that's where I think the issue is. Hmm. 45% no. But if I go back uh, a couple of years ago when we expected everything to slow down as it's doing now, the Reserve Bank reduced interest rates and it, all, all that did was uh, it was for economic purposes but it stirred uh, and spurred on the, inter- the interest in real estate markets and that is where I, I think that overvaluation situation occurred and I certainly don't think it's 45%. In fact, it is far from that, far from that.
3: So you think sort of back towards 2015, 2016 levels, that's where... Yes, you think Charles, the market's heading in, C- in Sydney and Melbourne. I think,
0: uh, yeah, I do. I think it should be back about a year. I think should, if we if we look at uh, the prices, uh, sorry, two thousand and sixteen. Look back twenty four months. That is where I think the prices should settle. Now, is and that a so ten percent or a fifteen percent
2: fall, uh, Charles? Sorry, is that a ten or a fifteen percent fall over that over oh, that period?
0: I would say it is. I would say it's a ten to fifteen percent. Uh, fall because I do believe the market jumped that position it shouldn't have jumped. Mm -hmm. I really do think that that reduction in interest rates caused the boom to go on for a year longer than it should have done. Um, And that's where I think it is. So if anybody's realistically looking at the marketplace uh, reductions, they should be looking at that gap in those years.
2: Okay. And so talk to us around, let's take, say, Sydney, for example. And explain to our listeners how the markets within Sydney can vary substantially. So, for example, one market might only fall by 7% because there's such big demand, but others might drop by 18% and you still get the average of 12 to 15. That's correct. And
3: it
0: was a supply and demand issue that really caused this mm. if you look at some of the areas of sydney where the supply was low people were bidding high mm. and and everybody was talking about oh I, or especially the agents i got one hundred thousand hundred thousand over reserve or two you you're hearing those stories every week uh, but the truth is that is just somebody who wants something and they're going to buy it and they overinflate the prices if you look in suburban areas and, and that's where you really should be looking at changes in prices uh, they they have now settled down they settled down probably a year ago uh, in, in pricing uh, But nobody really took much notice of that We found the issues where there was a lot more Stock coming onto the market In the suburbs, outer suburbs Of Sydney uh, And, and you'll find that in those areas They actually stopped having a boom About a year ago mm. When the boom mm. realistically stopped Overall in Sydney, probably just A few months ago, mm. with clearance rates In auctions dropping from 70 Early 70s down to early 50s And that's a massive, massive drop So I I don't see um, a a massive change in markets outside of Sydney uh, in suburban areas. I see them settling, but I do see certain areas of Sydney and in in the upper markets, low and north shore, uh, eastern suburbs, having a more significant drop, which which when you look at those significant drops, they have quite a considerable impact on the overall reductions or the overall percentage in reduction.
2: But Charles, you know, even though... You sound unbelievably mature. We know you're only a young man. But in that this young life of <laughs> yours this young life of yours, what what is the, the worst real estate period you've seen in, in the big centres like Sydney and Melbourne in terms of price falls? Because when you see Harry Dent talking about halving
0: yeah, yeah,
2: yeah I, to yeah. me, I, it's like he it makes Harry look like a fool, and he's not really a fool. But th- this is—he's a,
0: yeah, a... not a fool, but he said this every year for the last five or six years. Mm. And if you had listened to him, and there were and there were uh, in Australia telling you to sell as well, mm. if you had listened to those people, your your potential equity, you would have lost a significant amount if mm. you sold your property in, in anticipation of a of a fifty percent drop. So you're going to capitalise on now, and you're going to bounce back into the marketplace when it drops 50%. Well, I can tell you there's a lot of people out there that lost a significant amount of money because of people uh, out there saying the market's going to change. Now, where are those people now? Do you think they're going to go back to the person who, who uh, didn't buy in Sydney four or five years ago or sold in Sydney four or five years ago and give them back a refund of the difference? Mm-hmm. Look, I think the biggest impacts in marketplaces we have have a lot to do with us not being involved in other words overseas economies that's where the biggest issue is and the biggest issue stands with interest rates if interest rates jump up from four percent to six to seven to eight yes i think we're going to have problems i think we're going to have serious problems and nobody's predicting that nobody can see that but unless an overseas economy that we're connected to gets into trouble and things start to change, well, we may see those interest rates. And if we do see them, then I do believe you'll get this 45% drop. But honestly, I'm not banking on a stop. I'm not selling property in anticipation of a 45% drop so I can pick up properties. I am looking at certain marketplaces where there is an oversupply, especially in the apartment arena, because I think there's going to be some fantastic opportunities. And I think you might see a 30 percent drop in some of those apartment complexes off the plan. Yes, I, I see that, mm. but not in the overall scheme of things,
3: no. So let me move on to that, Charles, about where you see potentially great value coming up. You mentioned apartments, off the plan. Uh, is that mm. in the sort of Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane? Let's just, can we just run, give a bit more Certain, clues as to where you think there could the be Brisbane, some great value?
0: Yes, certainly in the Brisbane market, I see it. Uh, and, and we've been, we have been talking about this now for over a year. Uh, there are certain parts of, of uh, Brisbane that uh, have an oversupply. Uh, they've become apartment cities, if you like, and there's some of these suburban uh, areas of Brisbane, a bit out outside of the mainstream. Some of the apartments in the middle of Brisbane, I, I received a phone call from somebody only yesterday who owns one, and they want to sell. Uh, and they're struggling to sell for the price they purchased for only two years ago. So already changes have occurred. I had a phone call from uh, a a gentleman who said that we bought an apartment off the plan, we're due to settle, the banks are valued at 8% lower than contract price. That means we have to find another 30-odd thousand, which we don't have. So my wife and I are considering dumping, walking away. And I I think that's that sort of issue will will, uh, be far more prominent when you look at the thousands upon thousands of apartments that are still yet to be completed or coming up to completion and due for settlement, that, that's when you're going to see the true test of time with those.
2: Charles, it seems to me then, uh, all the people who thought that they'd missed out in the, the property boom of the last you know, four or five years, if, if they did miss out, it looks <laughs> like...
0: Well, are you, are going, I'm you driving mean, along at the moment. Somebody was talking to me. I don't know.
2: All right. So, <laughs> uh, so are you saying then, Charles, that you've always, you're an international man of mystery, Charles Tarby But uh, let's get back to the question again. Um, the people have missed out. It seems to me over the next year or so, there's going to be a really good buying opportunity for them, and they really should play a turn up at auctions. Um, type strategy because they may will get some big surprises.
0: They, they should and they, they should be looking at property and making an offer mm. and not being too worried about losing the opportunity to buy it. That's what they definitely should be doing because we are back in real estate. I mean, you've heard me say this before, Peter. There are two types of markets we're ever in. One where you get the buyer up to meet what they think is the seller's ridiculously high price and that's called a boom. And the other where we get the seller down to meet what they think is the purchaser's ridiculously low offer. And that's called real estate. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're in 90% of the time. And that's where we are today.
2: All right. So can I just finish off by asking you, given what we've already talked about, are there some suburbs in Sydney or Melbourne or wherever where you think is unbelievable value right now?
0: I definitely think uh, not. I wouldn't say unbelievable value. I don't think the adjustment has come through yet. Mm. Uh, I, I think the unbelievable values will show themselves in six, six to eight months. With with what I'm seeing with complexes coming up for completion, uh, again certainly in suburbs of Brisbane, parts of Melbourne, parts of Sydney. Not so much Sydney because there's still a reasonable uh, a supply of buyers. Uh, but I do think in other parts of, of capital cities there's going to be a very, very good opportunity and, and people should start looking right now and they should consider going out and making offers to buy properties because I do uh, think that the, a lot of developers mm-hmm. are going to want to offload some of their stock.
2: And what about if you if you bought the stock and you want to rent it out, you need tenants. Is there a good supply of tenants in Brisbane for these sorts of properties? <laughs>
0: The vacancy rates are very high in certain areas right now. They're certainly high in Perth. Uh, today, the vacancy rates in Perth was 8.29% for last week. But the vacancy rate in Melbourne this week is 0.49%. Mm, okay. That's the lowest I've ever seen it. Uh, Sydney came in at 2.78% in this last week. So you've got a better chance in Melbourne than you might have, say, in Brisbane or Perth at the moment. Okay. So um, And that's, that's because the population is growing in Melbourne and Sydney faster than it is in Perth and Brisbane.
2: Great insights, Charles. Thanks for joining us on the program.
0: Thank you, gentlemen.
2: That's Charles Tarby, the founder of Century 21. Uh, I don't think you could get much better advice when it comes to someone who's working at the coalface, Paul.
3: No, some great advice. I think particularly about saying it's a a buyer's market and there's Mm. going to be some great bargains around. Look, he was a little more bearish than I expected, Peter. Mm, Uh, Probably since we last spoke to him a couple of months ago, Mm. he's just... uh, You know, just a little more circumspect, but I guess that's what the data is also showing. Mm. And, uh, Mm. you know, as he called it a real estate, the market is real estate. That's when, you know, sellers have to meet the unridiculously silly low bids from the buyers. Yeah,
2: uh, but we're all going to keep this in context. Over five years, Sydney and Melbourne prices went up 75%, and he didn't even say the pullback would be 20%. So when you think about it, for someone who's been in the market, they've... Done very, very well. But it's going to be a buying opportunity, yeah, uh, and it's great to see the buying opportunity And there. he's
3: right, and that's what the data shows. If you go back and look at historically how uh, houses and units in Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane have performed, they go up quite quickly, three mm. or four years, and then you see a period where not much happens. Yeah. And I think we're into that part of the market where not much is happening, so that uh, you know, the, the headline losses won't be the 45%. They're going to be the 4 or 5%. Mm. But that means if you put a bid, you know, your bid could get, you know, a low-wall bid. You, you might end up with a great property at yeah. a great price.
2: Well, our next guest, Margaret Lomas, she is someone who really has uh, strategies around that kind of thing. So let's just see what she says. Let's go to an ad break, and we'll pick up with Margaret after that. And now,
0: a word from our sponsors.
1: Have you got a home loan? Do you know what you're being charged? Check your rate, and if it's more than 3.89%, call us at Switzer Home Loans. Our rate for a variable home loan is 3.89%. That's right, 3.89% is all you'll pay. Interested? Call 1300-664-339 or Google Switzer Home Loans.
2: Now, here's Switzy! <laughs> Okay, now I have the great pleasure to catch up with the princess of property, Margaret Lomas from Destiny Financial. Margaret, great to talk to you.
4: Well, thank you for having me.
2: Uh, I've got to say, I've missed calling you the princess of property, which we always used oh. to do on our old lifestyle uh, talking lifestyle radio um, program.
4: Yeah, look, there's
2: a black hole in my life, Peter, that you used to fill. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm filling it for today anyway. Now, Margaret, <laughs> I needed you because I, 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 the theme of the program today is around some of the disastrous, scary headlines on property prices. And we've got Charles Tarby to talk about what he's seeing at the coalface right now. But given what we're seeing, and we know prices are sliding, they'll, they'll slide in some areas faster than others, you've been through lots of periods in your property lifetime. Um, and you've got clients who you know go to you for advice and whatever around um, investing in property. What are you saying to your clients right now?
4: Well, look, the first thing that I really want everybody who's listening to this podcast today to understand is that it's all very well for us to say that prices are falling, but that you know Peter as well as I do that they aren't falling everywhere. Mm. They're definitely not falling everywhere, and Sydney, unfortunately, is such a you know a big player in the whole thing that everybody looks to Sydney and they say it's falling and, and they go to Melbourne and say it's falling and all of a sudden the sky's falling and it's chicken little. Mm. Um, the realities are that, yes, Sydney is falling and you know that I said a year before it fell, don't buy in this market right now because it is going to fall and if you get in now, you will lose money. So what is actually happening in Sydney, to be fair, is it is falling back around to where it was a year before it hit the peak which is just about when we really told people to stop buying mm. there because at that point it had become overheated and properties were selling for well over their intrinsic value. So now what we're seeing happen is we're seeing people end up at a price which is more reflective of the true intrinsic value and probably what they should have paid if they weren't frenzied and trying to get in to a market that where the writing was on the wall. It, um, Melbourne is a very different animal altogether, and the way people buy in Melbourne is different. People are more passionate about property in terms of the physical asset rather than the competition to buy it, which is, I think, what happens in Sydney, Uh, and what we're actually seeing in Melbourne is we're seeing a very two-speed market at the present time. I can take you out to places in and around Geelong, which, let's face it, are still only what Penrith is to Sydney in terms of a commute time, mm. probably actually quicker. It's a 50-minute commute in from Geelong into Melbourne. And I can show you areas that are returning 16% quarterly growth. So there are definitely parts of Melbourne and out to the southeast around Pakenham, Cardinia, Officer, some of those areas that are still growing and most definitely not losing any money up into Queensland, and the only thing really in Brisbane that is losing value are those units that we did tell everybody not to buy. You mm. remember our frequent conversations yep. about that. Um, and some of those really high-priced inner-city properties and riverside mm. properties um, that people buy in the good times, and then when things get a bit quiet, they tend to lose a bit of value. And people who buy them don't care whether they lose value on them or not. We, we're seeing in Brisbane a very different result whereby... Properties in the 5 to 10-kilometre band are starting to really do well. We've got some odd things happening. For example, we've got Sunnybank Hills, which has a median price of $650,000 and a rental yield of about 3%. And right on its border, with no difference at all in terms of lifestyle, amenity, convenience and commuting distance, is a a place called Algester. The Algester median is under $500,000. So there's over $150,000 difference between the price. Both areas are growing, Algesta more so, and so we're starting to see some real demand come into those interesting markets between, say, 4.50 and 5.50 in Brisbane, and they're definitely growing too. Mm. When we talk about the other markets, Adelaide's doing what Adelaide always does, which is going up by three percent a year, mm. and nobody's worried about Adelaide. And Perth, it seems like it might actually finally be at the bottom. I'm not prepared to say it's going to rise, but I am prepared to say that I don't think it's going to fall much more. So this is what I'm telling my clients, to be very careful about those headlines. And when you do speak to people and say, well, what do you think? Make sure you understand their perspective. Is their perspective just for a city or is their perspective for the country as a whole?
3: And and Margaret, is it the sort of market now where buyers can afford to be a little patient and just put an offer on the table and uh, see what happens? Or, or do they need to sort of seriously look at what the, uh, is being indicated from the vendor and um, be a bit more competitive?
4: So again, I've got to stop you there and say that you've got to be very careful when you talk about is it the kind of market that, because what market are you referring it's to? You're such it? a hard Margaret. I, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, but we have markets at the moment where we're seeing a, a, a DSR, a demand supply ratio for houses of well over 70%, or 70 out of 100, which means that there are considerably more people in that market looking for houses, and you can't wait five minutes. I recently tried to buy a, a property in Whittington, which is a suburb of Geelong, which borders on East Geelong. East Geelong has a median house price of 630000 and Whittington has a median house price of 325000 big difference. Now, big difference. And they're, they're on the border from each other, right there. Like, if you came out of your front door in Whittington and you walked 50 metres, you'd be in East Geelong. That's how close they are. So, I tried to put in an offer on a property that was advertised at offers over 390. And I offered, I think, 400, which is really unlikely to go over Mm. what the offers over are. Mm. And it ended up selling for like 460,000 three (laughs) days after it came on the market. You missed out by 60 grand. I know. And this is actually happening in many interesting pockets. Mm. And the key is this. When we're worried a little bit about the economy, when we're worried about interest rates and we're starting to see many of them rise despite the Reserve Bank keeping them on hold, so the cost of funding is obviously going up, we're starting to hear some rumblings from overseas about a potential... Um step toward a second financial crisis in maybe eighteen months or so, and Peter, I'm sure you've heard all of those rumblings mm-hmm. as well. When we start to get into these situations, what we do find is that that affordable housing in those brackets of around the three hundred fifty to say five hundred thousand dollar mark generally tends to become very, very popular and in demand. Mm-hmm. They have a good rental yield to begin with, so they're probably up around the 5% rental yield. They have a strong demand for both rentals and for, from buyers, and so we do see them perform well. And during the last financial crisis, I had a significant number of properties in that low demand market, or sorry, low socioeconomic market, I guess you could call it, which back then was 200000 not 400000 And And they all did very well and grew during the financial crisis, and in every one of them, I actually raised rents during, during the tough times.
2: I said you were a hard-ass, and you
3: just proved it. <laughs> I, I just like asking these general questions, to Margaret, that give you a chance to, uh, <laughs> to rip into you. To rip starters. into me, but, but oh, yeah. look, I take yes. the point it depends what you're looking at in which market, yeah. uh, I think, is, is, is the key point you're making. Yeah. And also, Margaret, yeah, it's, Also, it's
2: Margaret. You, know, you and I have talked about, you know, for example, South East Queensland. Uh, Gold Coast, it, it really can rise quickly, but it can really fall quickly. And in your beloved Central Coast, about four or five years ago, correct me if I'm wrong, I know you will, you would if I am wrong, but the prices got really low there. But there was a great buying opportunity at that time, wasn't it?
4: There was, but I really want to caution you against um, saying that prices fell really quickly because that doesn't actually happen What happens is they stagnate and they may may fall a little bit. Mm -hmm. But relatively speaking, when you're expecting something to go up over time because property is supposed to do that, Mm -hmm. it does make it appear like a bigger fall than it really is. In southeast Queensland, one of the biggest problems that they had there was that we had a lot of areas, particularly from Logan out to Ipswich and in all of that, that sort of growth corridor there, we had a lot of areas where the developers moved in they bought broadacre lots, they developed them with these beautiful new four-bedroom, two-bathroom homes, and then they sold them en masse to out-of-state buyers at prices that couldn't be sustained. So out-of-state buyers who didn't ask the right questions just figured, oh, there's a four-bedroom, two-bathroom house, 400000 sounds like a good price, they're going to give me a 5% rental, yield. I'm in for that. When in reality, had they done the research, they would have realized that that market really couldn't sustain a price any higher than about three hundred thousand, and then what we saw happen is once these investors needed to get out or started to experience issues or we had too many of them and they couldn't get renters, we had four sales, and then a lot of my clients came in behind those people and bought those properties at one hundred thousand under what they'd paid. so that then creates a situation where it looks like that area lost a big amount of value. But it should never have been given that value in the first place, if that makes sense.
2: Yep, it does. Now, Margaret, before you go, just quickly tell our listeners about your TV, Property TV channel.
4: I'm so excited about it. Look out for social media. We will be launching that very soon. And it's called My Property TV. And I think it's the first time that anyone has really tried this, at least in Australia. It is a TV channel, which is completely web-based. And to everybody else it will look like a website. But what happens when you go to that website is every night of the week at 7pm a show will air. It'll be the same show on Mondays, a different show Tuesdays, a different one Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. Five shows all together across the channel. A new show, will, a new episode will air every single week and stay up there for a week until the following week when, an, when the next episode replaces it. There's nothing you have to do to watch. You don't have to buy. You don't have to sign up. You don't even have to give your name or email address. You just go and watch it. So it's a fully free-to-air channel, and it's got everything you could ever want to know about property, including a live show from me, very like my old Your Money, Your Call show, where my old experts who everybody loved, uh, uh, Paul, you came on frequently. Mm -hmm. We had a great time answering questions, and we'll be doing the same sort of thing Uh, Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock, and we're hoping that by the third week of August, our technology is ready to roll on that.
2: Okay, right. So you come back to us when you're ready to go, and I'll inform our audience. Margaret from uh, Destiny Financial, thanks for joining us. And now, a word from our sponsors.
1: Have you got a home loan? Do you know what you're being charged? Check your rate, and if it's more than 3.89%, call us at Switzer Home Loans. Our rate for a variable home loan is 3.89%. That's right, 3.89% is all you'll pay. Interested? Call 1300 664 339 or Google Switzer Home Loans.
0: Too many people spend money they earned to buy things they don't want to impress people that they don't like. So stick with Switzer. And get rich. Where are my teeth?
2: Well, that's uh, Margaret Lomas and Charles Tarby, I think, really putting together the, the property story pretty effectively. Paul, what do you reckon?
3: Yeah, look, I think some great advice, particularly about um, not trying to generalise and take some of the headlines and applying it to the property that you might be looking at. Yep. And I think you listen to Margaret, as always, You know, good properties where they've got areas where there's strong growth, mm. people want, the rental market is good. Mm. They're going to stay in demand, notwithstanding what uh, some of the doomsday, doomsayers are going to say. Yes, yeah, right. And the interesting thing about Margaret
2: is that she actually does point out that there are lots of properties, and she lives on the central coast of New South Wales, and she's looking in Geelong. It's looking for value when you're a property investor it can be more important than having the, the property just around the corner.
3: And she's always warned about buying off the plan. Interestingly, if you look mm. back to what Charles is saying and yeah. talking about the number of apartments that are coming up off the plan. You go back to Margaret over the years, she said, I never buy off the plan. Yeah. So uh, she knows what she's talking about, yeah. Pete. I think uh, the, well, the princess of property. <laughs> yes. Without doubt. Now,
2: Paul, let's go and look at some of the, uh, the listener questions that have come in and uh, – if I can only find my sheet. Where is it now? This is good. Very professional of me. I'll take yours. Thank you. And put my glasses on at the same time. All right, the first one comes in from John. It's an email. He says, Would you advise an investment in transurban TCL over Telstra TLS for my self-managed super fund.
3: Look, I think Transurban should be a core stock in your portfolio. I think that if you're not familiar with Transurban, of course, they are the monopoly toll road provider. So people in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, know all about them. You travel on CityLink in Melbourne, you travel on the M2 in Sydney, you travel to the airport in Brisbane.
2: They're nearly a monopoly, They're aren't they?
3: are nearly a monopoly. I think there's one other provider in Melbourne. Um, and uh, they've also recently diversified. They own a uh, couple of tollways in Washington, D.C., uh, and now, in Canada, so look, mm-hmm. I think they're a great company um the uh the markets put puts them in sort of the bond category or this quasi bond category. so when we see that's because they fully borrow against um against all these uh tollways, so what mm-hmm. typically happens with the tollway is the companies contract to build it, they borrow a lot of money. They build it and then they repay, use the, the toll proceeds to, to, money yeah, to, do it. to repay the debt and repay you as a distribution. And of course, that means Transurban has a lot of debt. So people see Transurban as a bit of a bond, quasi-bond stock. Uh, I'm not so worried about that, but my caution on that is that if bond rates go up, people will mark Transurban down. So the other question mark about Transurban at the moment, not that it's not a great company is that they're sort of in the running to to buy potentially the 50% share of the West Connects in Sydney. If you're outside Sydney, this is the the missing link that links the, you know, the M4 with... The M2. The M2 and... The M7. The airport and everything else. <laughs> yeah, that links. Right. Got, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if they end up buying 50% of the West Connex, they could have to do a quite a dilutive equity raising. So I like Transurban at 1189, maybe not at the moment, but... Um, Look, uh, I, I, if you haven't got them in a portfolio, i put them in there. So I think Telstra is a slightly different category at the moment. I don't think Telstra's yet in buy zone. Mm. But uh, a lot of people, fund managers we talk to, Peter, have said that they like Telstra over the medium to long term. Yep. But I think you've got to see Tulsa deliver first. I think the market's not going to be in a hurry to re-rate it.
2: Yeah, it looks like the kind of stock that could break your heart in the short term. I think in the medium term, they'll get their act together. But at the moment, yeah, I'm not buying. I I don't don't hold any Tulsa shares, but I will one day buy again.
3: If if I had a choice between those two stocks of my self-managed super fund and I wanted income Mm. reliability, I'd stick with Transurban. Yeah,
2: Transurban is a perfect one to buy if there is a correction along the way between now and Christmas. Um, Paul, here's another one. Paul, the proposed loss of excess franking credits, if the worst happens and the ALP uh, wins the next election, it probably shows his political inclination, will you, as you will be aware, have a substantial adverse impact on SMSF pension account performance? This is a big concern to retirees, yet there seems to be little mention about this on Sky Financial Programs. Why is it so? Am I correct?
3: Well, there is. I mean, I guess it's very hard to do anything from... uh, This is about the rebate in case people don't
2: understand what you're talking about.
3: And also because the policy was amended so that people that uh, are receiving part government pension Mm. uh, or even people in a self-managed super fund where one of the members is receiving a part government pension, I think there are only 13,000 of them, won't be impacted. So... It was sort of – Bill Shorten sort of covered himself off a little bit with this policy by saying at least, you know, people that are doing it really tough aren't going to be hurt. Yeah. So all you wealthy self-managed super fund or self-funded yeah. retirees – He's being cynical yes, wealthy, he, he says Wealthy commas. Yeah. Well, you know, you're getting this sort of cash handout. Now, it never was a cash handout, but um, I think there's been a fair bit of focus. But because it's a, a promise uh, for a post-election that he hasn't won yet yeah. – And then you've got to get a legislation. The other thing about this, he can't just do this. You've got to change. The the, the laws have got to be changed. And it may be that what he says, just like Turnbull said, Mm. you know, the Senate won't agree to. So Mm. I think there's a long way to go between his policy and actually seeing this enacted. Yeah. Maybe that's why we've lost a bit of focus yeah. on it.
2: I know some people. For example, they might be living on say fifty thousand dollars from their self-managed super fund, and they've got a, a tax refund of about fifteen thousand. Now you take fifteen out of fifty. Mm. That's a really big hit to someone's lifestyle. And I've I've said to lots of elderly people who've complained to me about it, just like Paul has, uh, not Paul, it's uh, Gordon. Um, in many ways, the best thing you can do is just. You know, go to your sons and daughters and say, if this happens, we're going to shrink your inheritance because that's what's going to happen to a lot of older Australians. They, they won't have many money left if this goes through.
3: And I think when – let's assume he does get elected and he is able to change the laws. I still think when he finally gets around to doing it, it will be a little different than what it looks like today. Mm. I think you'll see a policy which will go back to just targets, targeting the, the – I won't say the super rich, but the very well off and there'll be some sort of exemption for most – Self-managed super funds, up to an amount. I think yeah. that's still a more a fairer way to do it. So yeah. we haven't lost interest in it. It's just that you know you you can't go very far when someone said, "I've oh, there's my policy," and yeah. you know because he's not the government. Well, yeah. you know you've got to wait till things happen. Yeah, I think during the election period, yeah, see changes during the like election that, period.
2: A lot of interest in it. Yeah, Paul, one last one. This is Ian. Another email. I have two thousand shares in Metcash in my self-managed super fund. Should I participate in the buyback? What are your views on the buyback?
3: Yeah, good question. This, is, of course, is an off-market buyback. There are, just for the – if you're not familiar, there are two types of buybacks. There's an on-market and an off-market. The on-market is just when the company appoints a broker who goes to the market and just buys shares as part of the normal ASX activity. Mm. Okay, They've got to report to the ASX every day how many shares they're doing. It's all got to be approved by shareholders. Nothing special about an on-market buyback. An off-market buyback – Uh, is quite special and really important for uh, people, low-rate taxpayers, because what happens generally with an off-market buyback is the company actually returns a lot of the proceeds as a frank dividend. And that is really attractive if you're paying tax at that fantastic rate of 0%. Mm, The best. And generally attractive if you're paying a tax at uh, a rate of 15%. Mm. It's not attractive at all, to someone who's paying tax at forty-seven percent, hmm. so there's a very easy rule with off-market share buybacks. Uh, if your tax rate, the tax rate you pay on your dividends, is higher than the company tax rate, forget them. Don't even look at them. Right? Just throw the booklet in the, hmm. in, in in the waste paper bin. It will not be a good deal for you. Hmm. If you're paying tax, because the other thing I should have mentioned is that you buy the you sell the shares at a discount, right? Hmm. Up to a fourteen percent discount.
2: The, the, the payoff is the big yeah. frank dividend.
3: So the payoff is a big frank dividend. Generally, if your self-managed super fund is in pension phase, you will be mad not to accept the buyback. And you can go back. You can go back and buy the shares yep. yourself. Accept the buyback. And you accept it only for tax reasons, and then think about whether you want to own the shares. And if you do, buy them back on market. Correct. And you'll still be better off. Yep. Uh, if your fund's in accumulation phase, in other words, your members are, are, aren't yet taking out a pension, and you're paying tax at 15%. You didn't. I don't think you mentioned the question: what the tax rate is. Look, generally, it's probably still going to make sense to accept, but you've got to be a little more careful. Um, And I noticed I did actually have a look at the Metcash buyback booklet. They do give some worked examples at different tax rates. That's good. And you can work out from there that whether it's going to make sense or not. But uh, if you're in pension phase, I would uh, tender at 14% or whatever the final price is, sell as many shares as you can in the buyback, and then if you like Metcash... Go back and buy those shares back on
2: market. Okay, one quick one, Paul from Jenny, and she said, "I want to do my first trade. Mm. Um, what type of stock should I look at?"
3: I'm surprised you haven't come out of the blocks and said Switz, SWTZ. <laughs> well, I do like it because it,
2: it, it's a very. Well, I, am I am I allowed to say that it's a. A, a rock solid or no you're not but no. i know
3: what you are going to say which is it's it's it's, a, uh, it's an income pay it's yeah, not, it's, because it has stocks across the market it's a lower risk form of investment yeah. i think you can say that and, and it's uh, and, not this shoot the lights
2: set but it's yeah. a, a reliable kind of investment isn't
3: it yeah look for a first investor while i could i can recommend things like Swits, or you can have a look at some of the uh, exchange traded funds uh particularly if you're new to the market and you want to learn more about the market and you hope it's going to become more than <clears> just a first investment I'd buy a company you actually have an association with right? Yep. Other yep. words the bank that you that you bank with or your telco or if you go to Woolworths by Westfarm, a, yeah. a company that you like, you know, it has good service, you believe in the product, mm. you can see they're doing well in their stores or whatever it is or the service they give you. That's yeah, it's good advice, Paul. Uh, unless you understand what they do. Yeah. And, they're and not, if they're really good companies, yeah. it should eventually yeah. show up in their profits and therefore their share price. And, and what you want to learn about the market, you'll, you'll at least be able to relate what they're saying about their trading performance back to what you see in the store or the service they provide you. That's mm. where I would start. And from then, you can then diversify
2: Yeah, and and the the other exchange-traded fund that Paul was kind of alluding to is there's one called IOZ, that's iShares, and it's OZ because it's IOZ. That's for the Australian top 200 companies. If you buy that one stock, inverted commas, because it's really not a stock, it's a fund – but you get two hundred companies in one go, and if the, if you're driving home and you're listening to the radio, and and the uh, the guy on the radio says the market was up one percent today, you're one percent richer. Yep. Um, so that's not a bad way of doing it as well.
3: Yeah, and that's the ASX code if you uh, sign up with a broker, IOZ, uh, yep. SWTZ, the code for Switz, yep. and of course you can look up uh, on the broker websites the the stock codes. Every company's got a stock code, and yep. uh, That's how you place an order.
2: Yeah. All right, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Peter. That's our show for today. Thanks for coming and listening.